Good morning, everyone. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the worship that we've just had, where we remember that your love for us runs deep, that we are your children, that that is who we are. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together, even though it is virtually, to lift your name up and to remember who you are, what you've done for us, and then what that means for all of us. God, we are thankful for the blessing of the opportunity to worship you. And I pray that our hearts will be centered on your love and who it is that that you say we are. In your son's name I pray, amen. Thank you, Philip, for those worship songs. As you might be able to tell, we're in a little bit of a different location uh, this morning. Uh, This was taped the the week previous to Thanksgiving. And I got to give a shout out to our crew who got here, I think at 6 a.m. So thank you to all you guys. You are awesome. Come on, clap for yourselves. I know it's for yourselves. Just you're clapping for somebody else. Like just think think of somebody like I'm clapping for Charlie or whatever, who it is that, that you're clapping for. But thank you. It is so fun to work with the crew uh, that we have, and we get together and um, shoot the services typically on Sundays at the church. So I just have so much fun serving with you all. Special thanks to the Howards who are letting us use their backyard, um, this awesome location. This is the closest I'll ever feel to being a movie star, I think, shooting <laughs> on location. Um, so thank you for opening your home. And as you're watching at home, you might hear some birds chirping in the background. There might be some planes going over, but I'm just going to power through as much as I can. Um, That's awesome to hear some of the nature behind us. It reminds me when I was in graduate school and I was preaching for this little church outside of town and there's generally about eight people there. And oftentimes one of the people would stare out the window the whole time I was preaching. And it was hard. It's like, come on, man. I'm like literally six feet away from you. But uh, one day as we were uh, having service and I was preaching, a bird literally flew into the church building. It's the first response I've ever had to a sermon. And the bird is like flying around and I had about 10 minutes left and we tried for a couple minutes to get it out of there and it was gonna take a little bit more work. And they said, well, Brian, go ahead, just keep preaching. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna do that. So this is the closest I felt that. We got some birds chirping. Hopefully they won't fly into camera or anything like that. But that's something I always remember when I hear a bird chirping. This morning, I want us to think about a a very simple concept that I think is important for us to center our hearts and minds on every once in a while, and that is the love of Christ and what Christ has done for all of us. As we have this weekend of Thanksgiving, and I know this is maybe the weirdest Thanksgiving uh, you've ever had, um, as we think about Thanksgiving and gratitude, at the very core of the thing that we all should be thankful for is, is the love of Christ. And I'm going to talk about a story this morning that's very uh, important for me, something that I often go back to and think about that helps me to think about what Christ has done for me and what Christ continues to do for me. How long and how passionately you look for a thing shows how much you care about that thing. My wife would tell you that I'm a really bad looker, and I think Carter has inherited that trait, unfortunately. But when it's something that I really want, I'll go a long way for it. When I think about that, I can't help but think of a cat that we had growing up in our family named Oliver. He was an orange tabby, so we named him after the movie Oliver and Company. And he was the most interesting cat in the world, I have to say. 
because I think basically everyone in the neighborhood thought that he was their cat. Like he would come home with us, but he would go all over the place. For example, he would go, we saw him once in uh, the alley near our house and a homeless man was feeding him cat food out of his pack. Uh, yeah, Oliver was just one of those cats that I think is somewhat typical of a cat. He's like, I love you, but I don't need you, basically. Like, I like you, like all you independent felines throw your paws up at me. That was what <laughs> Oliver was like. Oliver just did whatever he wanted to do and just made sure that you felt a little bit of distance from him. In fact, there was a couple times that Oliver left for multiple weeks and came back with expensive surgeries done on him. There was one specific time when he was gone for over two and a half weeks. And I got to be honest, my brother and I had given up on Oliver. We're like, oh, sorry. I mean, I guess that's the end of Oliver's story. But my sister just kept praying for Oliver. And I remember walking around the neighborhood. And in fact, I grew up in a neighborhood not too far from here, walking through some of these streets with my sister, even though I thought that the Oliver story was over, like calling out Oliver's name and looking for him. And she kept praying for Oliver. And after about two and a half weeks, just like the prodigal son, Oliver then came back over the horizon with one of those lampshades on. And again, a very expensive surgery done on him. And he came back like, here I am, feed me, I'm back. <laughs> My sister never gave up hope and never stopped looking for Oliver. What is it that you would never stop looking for? Who is it that you would never stop looking for? At the end of Mark chapter four and then into Mark chapter five, we see a story about how Jesus never stops looking. It begins with Jesus saying to his disciples, they're on one side of the Sea of Galilee. And then he says, let's go over to the other side. And it begins this treacherous journey. A storm comes up as often happens in the gospels. And it always cracks me up because Jesus is the carpenter and the fishermen always run to the carpenter as they are out on the sea and the water starts to go a little bit crazy and they get nervous. And Jesus always just calmly wakes up and is like, all right, guys, I guess I'll do this for you again. And he calms the storm. The Sea of Galilee was infamous for having storms that would come up I'm not a weather person, but in that area, there's some high mountainous areas and then interacting with down by the, the lake that the Sea of Galilee is that it would sometimes cause high pressure systems to interact with low pressure systems and that would cause storms to come up very quickly. So if you were a fisherman, actually it was a lower line of work because your life was very much at risk, even if you were often out on the sea and you knew what you were doing. And so as you read in the gospels, you often see storms coming up, that weather can change very quickly there. It reminds me of when I was in Abilene, Texas uh, for school. One of the things that was most shocking to me, if you don't know where Abilene, Texas is, just look in the middle of nowhere, basically. They call it West Texas, but really it's towards the center and away from any of the cities you'd want to live in in Texas, basically. And as I was a student there, something that was really surprising to me was how much the news would spend on the weather. They generally would start their 30-minute broadcast with a preview of the weather like broadcast that was going to be 
coming up, and they would spend a couple minutes talking about the weather. And then they would have five to seven minutes on the weather in the middle of the broadcast. And then they would have another two to three minutes on the weather at the end of the broadcast. And part of that was because there's not a whole lot going on in Abilene, Texas. But it was also because in the Midwest, I think everywhere in the Midwest, they have a saying, if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes. They say that everywhere I've been in the Midwest. And that was how it was in Abilene, Texas, that the weather could change very, very quickly. That's not the case in California. We have celebrity weather people that look like they spend more time looking at uh, getting a tan basically than like looking at weather forecasts. So uh, they say, you know, it's 75 today. It's going to be about 78 tomorrow. And for the next week, that's what we're doing. That's one of the things that we love about living in Southern California, but we don't have a whole lot of weather changes, but in other parts of the world, weather can change very quickly. And that's true on the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus begins this journey with his disciples to the other side and the weather changes very quickly. They go through a storm. They make it to the other side. And then after Jesus has this interaction with this one guy who has a whole lot of problems, a whole lot of issues going on, it tells us this in Mark chapter five, that Jesus and his disciples are getting back into the boat. And I just love that phrase. It's so simple, but so profound that after Jesus goes across the sea and interacts with this one man, getting back into the boat, they've gone across the Sea of Galilee, a treacherous trip, a storm has come up. They're getting back in the boat. Now, if I'm one of the disciples, I raise my hand and go, was that worth it? For one guy? And the demon-possessed man, he begs to go with Jesus because he's found this unbelievable new life in God with him. But Jesus tells him, no, 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 I need you to go back. I need you to tell the story of what's happened to you. And this is in Gentile territory. It's the first time that Jesus goes out of Jewish territory in the gospel of Mark. And then in Mark chapter seven, the next time that Jesus is in this area, it says there's this huge crowd of people. And I love just thinking of this once demon possessed man in his right mind saying, look, I told my story because this is who Jesus called him to be. But it's such a simple but profound story that Jesus will take that journey for this man. He'll take that journey for me. He'll take that journey for you. Again and again and again, no matter how many times it takes. Because this is what our God is like. This is how deep the love of God is for all of us. This guy is somebody who isn't just a little bit off either. Here's a description of him in, in Mark chapter five. It tells us as he, and as the disciples get out of the boat, this man comes with the impure spirit and he meets him. Here's the description. He lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. He'd been chained 
hand and foot, but he consistently tore those chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. All day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So his community has tried to bind him with chains over and over again. He continues to break those chains. He cries out, he screams. Basically his community has given up on him and he's out there in the tombs all day. As I think about someone who's described like this, I think of some of the homeless people that I interact with in our city. There is a large and unfortunately growing population in our city. And if I'm honest, if I see someone who is like that, who is screaming and and shouting, I hopefully on my better days will stop and, and pray for that person. But generally, I'll walk to the other side because there's not a whole lot I can do. I'm sad for them. I wish that I could help. But if it's somebody who is in that state of mind, if if they're screaming out, if they're saying things for perhaps the protection of my family, but just for myself, I'll just go, okay, I wish I could help that person, but, but I can't. And this man is described in a very haunting way. He has all of these issues and all of this stuff and not only did Jesus travel this long way to be with him, and immediately when he's done with the work in this man's life, does he leave? But I love how Jesus just walks towards him. He's not afraid. He's not nervous about this brokenness. Instead of walking to the other side of the street or like being worried about this situation or whatever is going on in this man's life, Jesus walks up and approaches him. Do you know that Jesus walks up to you in your brokenness? That Jesus doesn't walk away from it? That he's not afraid of it? That Jesus looks at you as you are, as you're sometimes sad as you're hurt, as you're wounded. And he walks towards you and chooses to be with you. All of us have been a little bit messed up by this year, some more than others. I think of my friends of color who are part of this church as they've experienced and thought about social injustice and what that looks like. I think about the tension and division over our recent election, coronavirus and what that means for all of us. Uh, thinking about family stuff as we go into the holidays, there's just a lot that's been hard and it feels like just weights continue to get added to us. At the very beginning of this, I remember it was after the first live stream service that we did my body basically shut down. My wife said she's never seen something like this. We actually thought perhaps I had COVID, um, but for two days I slept, basically. I wasn't showing any other symptoms, but I just slept. We weren't sure, thinking about taking me to a doctor, but I never showed any symptoms, so we didn't. And finally, after basically two days of sleep, uh, we were like, oh, I guess you're okay. I guess you can come back from this, but we've never seen that happen to me. And I think what was happening is my body was just dealing with the stress of this. Like, what does this mean for 
my family, for the church, like thinking about like, how, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to move forward? Are we going to live stream forever? What does this mean? Is this mean the church is in trouble? Like all these things that you can start to think about when it comes to fear and anxiety. And I know that for all of us, we've had a number of days during this year in 2020 where we can just say, I'm tapping out, right? I've had enough. I just can't do this anymore. And that's okay. So even though we might not be in as dramatic of a state as this guy in Mark chapter five, we've all had times where we have come to the end of ourselves during this year, where our brokenness is on display. And as you felt that, and as you've experienced that, isn't it comforting to know that Jesus walks towards it and not away from it? Even as you feel sometimes that weight of anxiety and and mental health issues, the things that you are, are struggling with and grappling with, Jesus walks towards you. He's not afraid of it. He's willing to move toward you and not away from you during that time. And through the power of God, Jesus can help doing something about it. Later in Mark 5, scriptures tell us this, that as the demons interact with this man and they see Jesus from a distance. They fall down and the man is just on his knees. And in a really chilling sentence, all these demons say, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please don't torture me. For Jesus had said, come out of this man, you impure spirit. As we bring our brokenness to God. Isn't it comforting to know that Jesus can do something about it? This is very weird how this one ends because the demons basically say, send us out into the pigs over there. And Jesus sends the demons into the pigs and 2000 pigs run off a cliff. It's like the pig farmers had a really bad day. Uh, But it also shows this is again, Gentile territory. So This guy is among the pigs. This isn't a place perhaps that you'd think that the power of Jesus would work. He's been in Gentile territory or in Jewish territory up until this point. So he's among these pigs in a place that a Jew wouldn't necessarily feel all that comfortable and pigs are flying off the cliff. There's a whole lot happening here. But a man who was so far gone ends up dressed And the scripture says, in his right mind, because of the great power of God. Do you believe that Jesus walks towards you in your brokenness? And then even has the power to do something about it. That Jesus sees you as you really are. Jesus hears your prayers, sees the things that are on your heart. And doesn't leave you in that state, but walks towards you comfortably and then has the power to do something about it. One of my mentors, his name is Randy Harris, and he uh, mentors a lot of pastors uh, in the States and abroad. And one thing that he consistently challenges us with is you all need to be deeper 
your congregation's need for you to be deeper, if they are coming to you with their problems and the things that are on their hearts and their minds, you need to be drawing from a source that is not yourself. Because if you're drawing just from yourself, you don't have anything to give. You need the power of God to be in you. And you're not going to do it perfectly, but you need to be drawing from a deeper place. And he said one time he was working with this pastor and he encouraged him to do some prayer things that um, he hadn't tried before. And then the guy came back to him a few months later. He's like, wow, that stuff actually works. Like I've been preaching about it forever, but it actually works. And it does. There's something so profound and significant about just spending some time alone with God, spending some time connecting to a deeper source in prayer, reading God's word, talking to others in community about what God has done in your life. There's a power that is more available to us than we might think. And it's the same power that is pictured here that is showing this guy who is so far gone and these demons, which make it seem like it's impossible that this guy would ever be healed. But in just a moment, those demons are on their knees and they're thrown into pigs. Because this is what our God is like. This is what we should be thankful for every single moment of every single day that we, because of what God has done through Jesus, we have a new identity. We are who God says we are because of the overwhelming work of God. The love of God didn't just transform people a long time ago. It still has the ability to transform you and me, even in a year like this. As Jesus is giving a pep talk to his disciples, late in the gospel of John, he says this this way. He says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. These are my commands. You can keep my love. As you remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands, remain in his love. This is one of the great challenges of the Christian life, to remain in the love of God to allow that to be your identity, to say, yes, God, I'm gonna commit myself to your love, to your spirit and your presence every single day. I'm gonna allow that to be the source that I live from. I'm gonna bind my heart to that again and again and again. I love the old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. One of the verses has the line, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And isn't that true? prone to wander, prone to go to something else, prone to not pursue you with my life, prone to just take the shortcut, prone to not allow you to be my identity and my source, prone to go over here or to go over there. Lord, I feel that temptation, but God, would you bind my heart to you so I might remain in your love? Because Jesus shows us just how long he's willing to search for one man. And he shows us that he's willing to search 
for us as well. May we allow the love of Christ, which is revealed in this story and consistently throughout scripture to be our identity, to be the source that we live from. And may we remain in that love. You just had a weird Thanksgiving, I'm sure. And you're going to have a weird holiday season, perhaps not filled with many people or any people. But as you find yourself more isolated, perhaps, than you ever have been during the holidays, may you center yourself on the love of Christ. May you admit that, yeah, this is hard. This is weird. We've never had a year like this before. But may you connect your life and your heart with the spirit and presence of God and remain in that love because that love has the ability to continue to transform your life. May we be thankful and filled with gratitude for that love. Let's pray together. God, may your love and the love that is shown in this story be our identity. Father, all of creation sings your praises. So we're hearing little animals running around and, and birds chirping this morning. So that's so encouraging as we think about how all of this world tells us the story of your love. May we remain in that love and to ground our identity in you. Father, you are good to us. May we understand that you walk towards us in our brokenness and not away from us. Your son, Jesus, and I pray. Amen.